It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Nicoladolo didn't quite have his best stuff on Tuesday night, but still showed resilience and kept the Reds in the game until a familiar foe reappeared from the bullpen. Uh, we'll look at the comeback that fell short on Tuesday night and why Ellie De La Cruz isn't done winning awards on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are free and available wherever you get your podcast on all platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. In fact, we have such a passion for this team that we've been covering them in the podcast form for over four years apiece. We have taken that passion for the Cincinnati Reds and we have turned it into information for you. On today's podcast, we will talk about the Reds facing the Boston Red Sox and wonder aloud if they will continue to be able to uh, prolong their dominance of the American League East. And we are going to be joined by the play-by-play voice of the Dayton Dragons, the one and only Tom Nichols, who will check in to talk with us about the amazing feats of one Ellie De La Cruz, as well as all of the players heading to the Arizona Fall League this year for your Cincinnati Reds. But let's start with last night's game versus the Boston Red Sox, Jeff, because Nick Lodolo was in there for the Reds, and you and I both are always excited to see Lodolo on the mound, but he didn't quite bring his a plus game in this start not quite um gave up a lot of base runners via the free pass he had three hit batsmen three walks uh, in fact those three hit batsmen put the reds over the edge they now have a record steve these this is a record setting cincinnati reds franchise in 2022 nobody's hit more batsmen than Reds pitchers in 2022. They, they have 99 total hit by pitches and um, still 14 games left. We can still see that total go up. Hey, listen, I always said this team is full of overachievers, and there you go. <laughs> What's more likely to happen? The Reds have more than 100 hit batsmen or more than 100 losses? Oh, that's a that's a tossum dude that's a that's a coin flip i don't know let's what does bet online say about that i feel like that's a safe bet either way yeah we need a prop bet on that one because oh my goodness the reds have to win five games in these remaining 14 to avoid 100 losses and if they play like they did last night they're not going to do it and that has nothing to do with pitching it is all on the hitting nick lodolo did not have his best stuff but he only allowed three earned runs uh, three runs total And two of them were solo shots. One of them, you just had to tip your cap to Rob Ref Snyder. He hit a pitch that John Zadak, uh, Joey Votto, Barry Larkin, Sam LaCure, everybody agreed was a good pitch. But Rob Ref Snyder just happened to pull it into the bleachers. But overall, he limited the damage. He kept the Reds in it. Now, Hunter Strickland, that's a different story. Um, 
Uh, yeah, look, you, you can have little nice stretches and stuff like that when you're a relief pitcher, but we know who Hunter Strickland is, and he showed his true self last night, giving up a two-run homer that was obvious. I mean, I told you off air before this that Rafael Devers was basically playing backyard baseball, and he's like, you throw that pitch again, I dare you, and he did, and he murdered it. I got to tell you, Jeff, uh, of all the reasons that I'm ready for this this particular season to be over uh, Hunter Strickland being gone is ranks right up there as one of the top ones because yeah. this entire season, it has made zero sense why no. David Bell continues to run Hunter Strickland out there. And whatever the reasons are, we'll never know the truth. But the fact of the matter is, is for inexplicable reasons, David Bell has continued to put Hunter Strickland into baseball games. And I can't wait for that particular experiment to be over. I'm done with that. And it was so frustrating, too, because then in the bottom of the ninth, um, Matt Strom for the Boston Red Sox came on to pitch, and he gave up a hit, and he gave up three straight walks to walk in a run. And then Kyle Farmer came up, and absolutely, I thought he murdered it. Turned out to be a fly ball, a sack fly to center field. But off the bat, like I tweeted this out, like my heart fluttered. I'm like, that's a grand slam. This game's over the wall. Walked off. It's a sack fly. All right. Well, that's two outs now. Let's see what Jake Fraley's got. And then the just absolute example, 9,926,332 as to why baseball is just a quirky sport in an unfair game. He had three hits last night, Steve. And he made the final out by grounding out to first base. <laughs> you know, when it mattered most, right? Um, there was a lot going on with the position players here. And before we dig too far into Jake Fraley, I think we should take a minute and talk about the one and only Nick Senzel because wow. there are, there, there's been nobody that I have rooted harder for to have success than Nick Senzel. Uh, when Nick Senzel came up, you know, I had the good fortune of being in the right place at the right time and getting an interview uh, with his dad on the Reds Alert podcast, spent a lot of time talking with the Senzel family. Uh, I have been a Nick Senzel fan, but man, you want to talk about a player at this point that I feel like is cursed that the baseball gods have decided you are never going to have a clean, successful season. That's Nick Senzel because once again, the injury bug has bitten Mr. Senzel. And it looks like Jeff, unless you know something I don't, he's probably done for the year already. Yeah. And they were talking about it after the game. He broke a toe in his left foot. And, and really when you watch the replay in, in real time, you almost wonder, cause it looks like he didn't hit the wall that hard, but it was the way that he hit it with his left foot because he's running into the wall. Does not really look down to see the warning track as he's trying to track a fly ball into the center field wall there at great American. And as he runs into the wall, he tries to take a normal step. And you know, like sometimes when you try to take a normal step and it doesn't end up being a normal step, well, he tried to take a normal step with all of his body weight on his left foot and he stepped like catty corner up against the unpadded part of the wall. And I think right there, because of all of his body weight, just jammed his foot into that wall and broke that toe. Because he, he immediately went down to the ground. TJ Friedel was running over from left field to pick up the ball and throw it back in and really saved another run. It could have been an inside the park home run, but he kept J.D. Martinez at third. But overall, just the way that that play went down, I, I saw that and I'm like, 
he's he's not coming back. And, and it was confirmed he did break that toe, confirmed after the game, and you're not coming back in 14 games from that. I mean, that that's not going to happen. So yeah, he's he's done for the year. He set his personal best games played. He just couldn't quite finish the season healthy. And and that's very disappointing because you know you and I have talked about it time and time again that we really do want some success for Nixon Zell, but yeah. you know once again the injury bug has bitten. And listen, you bring up Jake Fraley, uh, like you mentioned, three hits in the game, but he grounds out to end of the game. My question to you is this: uh, Jake Fraley has been, I think, a bit of a surprise. You know yeah. the the Reds front office. Uh, looked at him as being a contributor all along. Uh, we didn't see it necessarily in the beginning. He got hurt. He went to Louisville. He came back. And since that time, he really has contributed. Has he shown you enough now that we're in the, the tail end of 2022? Has he shown you enough to be in consideration, to be a, a member of the starting lineup for the 2023 Cincinnati Reds? 100%. I think that he deserves a shot to continue to prove that he can be a part of a playoff team in the future. I'm not ready to say that just yet because we do have some exciting dudes coming up through the system, but if he can continue to hit like this on a longer stretch and you know, he started the season with the injury bug and things like that, that really plagued him and he really had to get going and it took him a minute, but once he's gotten going, he has been a valuable contributor. He was seeing Brian, you seeing Brian Bellow very good last night. Brian Bellow was pitching pretty well. Uh, aside from the second inning, whenever the Reds were able to load the bases against him, but he limited the damage that the Reds did to him. He only gave up that one monster shot to TJ Friedel that I think brought rain. That's still coming because that was a high, that, that was a rainbow that TJ Friedel hit into the moon deck. But the, the overall bellow pitched pretty good for the Red Sox, except when Jake Fraley was at the plate, because I think Jake Fraley saw a total of four pitches from Bay and bellow and he had two singles and a double. <laughs> Well, listen, this is what I know, Jeff. Uh, over the course of the season against the American League East, the Reds have dominated. Uh, it yep. didn't quite work out that way last night against the Red Sox, but there is one more game against Boston, and I think the Reds are definitely going to turn the tide uh, in their final game against a foe from the American League East. Uh, in fact, uh, they don't have very many games remaining that involve non uh, National League Central foes for the rest of the season as it winds down. And that's the last one. Yeah. This is the last one. Uh, the rest of the way, we're going to be playing in division. You know, obviously, you talked about it the other day while I was away. Uh, the over is gone. We're not yeah. going to get there. You and I exactly. both lost out on that one. Uh, but there is definitely still some exciting stuff to watch as we move forward. And uh, there's a lot of other things to be excited about, especially uh, within the minor leagues. We're going to talk about a lot of that coming up when we're joined by uh, Dayton Dragons play-by-play -play guy, Tom Nichols. Yeah, coming up, Tom is going to tell us why Ellie De La Cruz isn't done winning awards for his season. In fact, could he be a two league MVP winner? We, we could see that. I mean, that'd be interesting to watch. I mean, it's not necessarily like, you know, two way player type deal, but Hey, Ellie De La Cruz isn't done winning awards. According to Tom Nichols, that's coming up here in just a moment. But you know, guys, uh, listen up. Sometimes your bat is like what the reds have whenever there's runners in scoring position. Um, but don't worry. There's some help for that. And it doesn't involve Alan Zinter. 
Yeah, because that'd be awkward. That's right. This episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Look, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. Whether you are talking about getting in the box or climbing the mound, it's especially true in the bedroom. So when it's time to step up to the plate, that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So there's no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman. Because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. So if you could benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping at bluechew.com. That's bluechew.com, promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring today's podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Coming up tomorrow, Tom Nichols is going to continue. We're, we're talking a lot about Elie De La Cruz here today. We're going to really dive in on the Arizona Fall League, the guys that the Reds are sending there, and what we can expect from them as we see some dudes get some more opportunities to work on their craft. But right now, we are going to dive in because Elie De La Cruz won Baseball America's Reds Minor League Player of the Year, and he's not done winning awards just yet. Let's let Tom tell us about that. Well, it seems like it was a blink of an eye, but the minor league season has pretty much come and gone for most of the Reds farm system. I know we still have Louisville going on and I think Chattanooga still got a few more games left, but want to kind of put a bow on everything that's happened in the Reds farm system and no better guy to do that than Tom Nichols. He's with us here again. We've gotten the chance to talk with Tom a couple of times this year, looking at some key players for the Reds as they come through their development stages. And as we see what they can bring to the future of this Reds franchise and when they are good again, it's great to have you along, Tom. And of course, we got to start first with Ellie De La Cruz. I mean, where else is there to start? We're talking about the future stud of this team and him getting minor league player of the year. I might already know the answer to this, but um, do you believe that it was warranted? Oh, yes. I don't think there was any question. <laughs> that, that had to be the easiest decision in history. I thought about halfway through the season, it was a really close battle between De La Cruz and Alex McGarry, um, who mm -hmm. actually finished the year in AAA. Um, their, their numbers at, at the midpoint of the season were very, very close, right down the line. Um, but amazingly with, with De La Cruz, and it happens this way with the very best prospects, is, is he keeps moving up and facing better competition. He keeps getting better and better. And, 
that's a sign of a guy that's going to help you at the top level someday. As the competition gets better, he keeps getting better. And his numbers in some ways might have even been a little bit better in Chattanooga than they were in Dayton. And I think earning the Reds minor league player of the year was a foregone conclusion. And that was the Baseball America selection. The Reds also announced it through a vote of coaches, and they call it the Sheldon Chief Bender Award, which is named after their longtime farm director, Chief Bender. And, and uh, that'll be coming, I think, around Reds Fest in like the first week of December, and I'm sure that he will get it. They also name a batter of the year and a pitcher of the year. The batter of the year could still go to McGarry maybe, or uh, that, that would probably be the most likely choice. And then the pitcher of the year, that'll be a fun one because you've got about four or five guys – that could get some consideration for that. And, uh, but, but the other thing uh, I think guys that that's going to be interesting is this is not going to be the first honor, uh, the last honor for it's the first, but it's not going to be the last honor for daily Cruz. I mean, he easily could still win the minor league player of the year for the entire minor leagues. Mm -hmm. um, he was the first player since 2013 um, to have a batting average of at least 300, at least 25 home runs, and at least 40 stolen bases. George Springer was the last guy that did it in 2013. And um, and before that, I mean, it hasn't happened many times in history. I mean, you're talking very few times in baseball history in the minor leagues over a full season has anyone done that. Um, so I think, I mean, I think he's a legitimate candidate to win the overall minor league player of the year as well as the Midwest League MVP. And you might say, well, how could that happen? He was only in the league uh, until uh, late July and the season went into September. He missed the last seven months. The thing about it is most of the other contenders moved up too, about the same time he did. So um, they're all in kind of that same boat. So he finished one home run off the league lead and missed the last seven months, or seven weeks, I should say. And um, so it, it's possible he wins the league MVP in our league. It'd be, it'd be really neat if he could win the league MVP in two different leagues the same year. <laughs> he won't do that, but, but that would be, that would be something that only, only De La Cruz could do. I think, you know, it's, it's real interesting. If, if you were to ask people just two years ago, Hey, do you know about this guy, Ellie De La Cruz? Everyone would have looked at you with a confused look on their face. Nobody had absolutely any idea who this guy was. And he's taken the minor leagues and, and the baseball world by storm. I can't think of the last guy in the red system to do that. Can you think of another player that had uh, just uh, such a meteoric rise to, to, to being – what De La Cruz is for this Reds farm system? I can't think of one. You'd have to, I mean, you'd have to go way, way back to like the seventies or eighties. Number one, there's not, not been a player that's risen as high as he has risen period um, in a long time. Um, you talk about some of the players over the years that would have been top 10 prospects in all of minor league baseball. Okay. So Homer Bailey, Jay Bruce, um, but those guys were first-round draft picks from the day they joined the Reds organization. That was the, the expectation or the hope. And this is a guy that came in from totally off the radar. And I, I think I've told this story before, and I'll make it a quick one if I have, but, but, but some, some may not have heard me talk about this. Um, it was 
in early July of 2021, and I was talking to our, our uh, former pitching coach, Darren Ebert, who had been the Dragons pitching coach in 2016 and 2017. I still stayed in close contact with him. And uh, he was the pitching coach when the Arizona Complex team out in, in Goodyear. And he said, we've got a player out here that is probably, in my opinion, could be the number one prospect in the whole red system. And I just laugh because think about how ridiculous that statement would sound. You're talking about a guy that wasn't even on the top 30 in any list at that point. And to say he's number one ahead of, you know, Matt McClain, who was the number one draft pick out of UCLA, um, that, that would be a, a, an insane statement. And it's turned out to be true. Um, so, uh, as you say, Stephen, just something that no one could have predicted. You see the opposite from time to time. You'll see a player come up through the minors that is so highly regarded, and then he gets there. And, and I think back over um, my career, guys like um, Corey Patterson. Do you remember Corey Patterson oh, yeah. came up with the Cubs? Everybody talked about five-tool player, and he got to the big leagues, and he had a long career, but he just never really emerged as a star. Xavier Nady was another guy sort of like that. Um Everybody expected big things from, and he got to the big leagues. And I think Nady actually started his pro career in the major leagues um, and didn't and skipped over the minors initially. And uh, those guys got there, but they just never really – and you don't know what De La Cruz is going to do either, but he will have a long career, whether it's as a superstar or just a, a another player. We don't know. That time will tell on that. Uh, but there's a lot of indications about him that I really like that sometimes are sort of the determining factors on just that question. Number one, he's a smart guy. He's, he's, he's a very smart kid. He'll learn well. Um, he, uh, number two, he, he, he really enjoys playing the game. Todd Bensinger said to me one time, if the player doesn't enjoy playing the game, it's going to be hard for him to improve because there's going to be a lot of times when he's just not going to want to be out there. And we had a player at that time um, that was really, really highly regarded named Jorman Rodriguez, who was a big money international signing. And I think if there was one thing that people who knew Jorman uh, would say was he did not really enjoy playing the game. Um, and uh, that was his downfall. Um, and De La Cruz loves playing the game. He brings a lot of energy. He's going to have some leadership qualities. Uh, he, uh, he, 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 and again, I think the most important thing you look at right now is when he moved up this year, you would expect some type of a drop because the, the pitchers are better than what he's been facing. And he moves up and starts facing better pitching. And there is no drop whatsoever, maybe even a little bit of an increase in numbers. And that was it. All right. This interview with Tom Nichols is so much fun. And there's a lot more ground to cover it with Tom. Uh, specifically, when will we see Ellie De La Cruz in Cincinnati? Well, Tom Nichols has some thoughts, and we're going to get to those coming up right after this. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube right now, thank you so much for being here. Make sure you click that subscribe button down below and 
click the bell because you won't miss anything that we post here on YouTube, whether it's a live special event, whether it's a bonus episode, whether it's an interview for the lefty in the bullpen, it will all be notified right to your inbox, right to your notification screen. So click those buttons. And if you're following us on the audio channels, thank you so much. Make sure you've clicked those subscribe buttons there. And well, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at S Offenbaker. That's with two F's. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's with three F's because as I tell you guys all the time, spelling is hard for him. You can also follow the show at Locked on Reds. No F's in that. All right. Let's jump right back into our conversation with Tom Nichols because he has a lot of information to share and a lot of thoughts on Ellie De La Cruz and when he will be a member of the Cincinnati Reds. Let's get to that right now. Yeah, that's what floored me. It was like, I, I think he, it was the last week of July or something like that. It wasn't very long in July. And then his first full month through August, he gets Southern League Player of the Month. It's like, everybody's just learning this kid's name. He's only 20 years old. He's the youngest by far to get that kind of playing time. I saw, uh, I believe Doug Gray had in his Baseball America uh, article, he said he was the only 20 year old to get more than hundred at bats in the Southern league this year. And he's probably been the best player that they've seen so far this season. It's just phenomenal. The kind of impact that he has had and just seeing him work on a day-to-day -day basis there in Dayton before he got bumped up to Chattanooga, what was the feeling around his teammates? Were they just like, good Lord, are we playing with a unicorn here? <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, yeah. I think they. I think I saw somebody actually post in spring training. There was a there was a spring training game or something where um, he was in the dugout of the big league club. He might have. I'm not sure if he got into any any spring training games, but he might have um, been on the bench as a as a emergency backup. They'll do that in spring training. They bring guys in just in case. And there was a picture of of De La Cruz and Vado. One of his teammates tweeted out something along the lines of two goats, greatest of all time, on the bench together. <laughs> and to, to include him with, with Votto, uh, at that point in time especially, was, was saying something. I, I remember, just to sort of expand on your question, uh, I think it might have been the, the second homestand of the season, so we're talking April, Mm -hmm. And the Reds minor league um, infield instructor, uh, Jose Nieves, who was our manager here for three years from 2013 to 2015, was here um, as a rover. I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with what we call rovers or coordinators. They'll come in, spend about five days with your team. Each of them has a specific area of expertise. Um, there's a catching coordinator, Corky Miller. There's a hitting coordinator. There's a base running coordinator. There's a pitching coordinator. And Jose is, was the infield coordinator. And he said to me, what you've seen so far probably has impressed you a lot, but not really anything that would knock you down. By the next time I get here, he said, you will have been knocked down. And when he said that, I thought, really, what are the chances of that? I mean, people say stuff like that in the minor leagues all the time. But what really are the chances of that being true? It was true. And by the time he came back for his second visit, which was probably six weeks later, everybody was talking about De La Cruz because he was starting to do things that 
no one expected or, or could imagine. And the, the one thing I'll, I'll say this, and I know we've got to move on here, but two, two things that, that, that I, that struck me about him this year, um, aside from the fact that he's a true five tool player, one would be, we had a game in which he had a home run left-handed and a home run right-handed in the same game. And as the broadcaster for the team, and director of media relations with the Dayton Dragons, I will oftentimes do some research and put it in what we call our press box notes. So I went back to look to see when the last time was a Dragons player had hit a home run left-hander and a home run right-hander in the same game. And I, I really couldn't remember it happening at all, but it did happen in 2010. Um, we had a, a player by the name of Henry Rodriguez who got to the big leagues briefly and um, that was 12 years ago, and I thought, well, I wonder if it's going to be 12 more years before somebody does it again. It was about 36 hours before someone did it again, and that was De La Cruz. <laughs> Less than two days later, he did it again, um, and, and that was an amazing thing that, that um, I just, you know, it, it said something about skills that he had that nobody else had, and uh, th that's a player that's got a bright, bright future, at some point, we'll, we'll see how long it takes. I would imagine sometime next season, he'll be in Cincinnati. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that, Tom, because uh, I was going to follow you up with this. Uh, you know, Chattanooga season has ended. Uh, you know, De La Cruz was held out of the lineup, I think their final game. And there was some speculation that, oh, well, that means he's probably going to be sent to Louisville. That has not happened. Louisville has, I think, nine more, as of the airing of this, nine more games remaining on their schedule. Uh, Ellie De La Cruz also was not sent to the Arizona Fall League. And these are actually two moves the Reds have made that I agree with. I think that they challenged Ellie De La Cruz plenty this year. I think he got a ton of playing time across multiple levels. And I like the idea of now kind of letting him shut it down, move into off-season mode, and prepare himself for what you just said, which is probably a start at AAA Louisville to begin next season with an eventual mid-season call-up to the big league club in Cincinnati at some point during the 2023 baseball season. So all that being said, how do you feel about the fact that he was not included on the Arizona Fall League roster or sent up to Louisville for those uh, final 10 games of the minor league baseball season? Well, I, I, would, I would probably say I agree with you. Um, and I'm sure it was talked about um, in both cases. Um, decisions in minor league baseball are not nearly as unanimous in my experience as the fans would think. Um, there's always someone with the opposite belief in, in almost every instance. And the, the final decision is made by the person at the top, Nick Crawl or, or in, in, in whatever level we're talking about here, um, someone has to make that final decision. There was probably some people involved who thought, let's send him to Louisville and see what he does. There were probably other people saying, what do we really have to gain by sending him to Louisville for, for a week? Um, if he goes there and struggles, then he's going to have a sour taste in his mouth next year when he goes back. And, 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 uh, and he's really not going to get a whole lot out of that. So um, what's the real benefit of sending him there for a week? Because he's, he's not going to really – learn a whole lot about triple-A pitching in a week. 
So what's the real benefit? Maybe that was part of the discussion. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Coming up tomorrow, Tom Nichols will continue to break down some minor league talk as we look at the Reds prospects heading to the Arizona Fall League, and they include Matt McClain, former uh, interviewee of Steve Offenbaker and the lefty in the bullpen. All right, uh, thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen today. Now make your second listen, Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan has you covered with humor, passion, and his unique perspective on the top stories in the major leagues. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. Steve, when it comes to the final 14 games of the season, The Reds just need to win five to avoid 100 losses. What's that mean for you and me? (laughs) That means we're probably not going to get there, but we will be locked on the majors. We will be locked on the minors because you and I, we are locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.